Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. Happy birthday to you! <laughs> I'm your host, Netta Gorman, and welcome to the special one-year anniversary slash birthday edition of the Life After Sugar podcast and I'm here with my special guest Dan Grief from the UK Low Carb podcast. We're going to be talking a little bit about the last year's highlights of the podcast, mine but also his. And you know, I found that just like with cutting sugar, making a podcast comes down to pretty much the same thing. In other words, just get started. I put off cutting sugar for the longest time and I have to be honest with you, I put off making a podcast for the longest time too. So if there's anything that you can take away from this particular podcast episode, it's this. Just get started. You never know where it will lead, but I can tell you this, it's somewhere fantastic. Here's my chat with Dan. Hello and welcome to UK Low Carb. And welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. And we're doing a crossover together. Woohoo! And, oh, and I should say this as well, by the way. Happy birthday. Happy Thanks. birthday. Anniversaire. <laughs> However it goes in French, I don't know. But, um... <laughs> yeah, it's not my birthday, but it's my podcast's first birthday. Can you believe it? Well, it's it's a weird one because... Okay, I think there's a reason that you and I are doing this because we actually met through a Facebook group, didn't we, about podcasting. Yeah. And that must have been almost a year to the day, uh, like early to mid-January-ish that we met because uh, we were talking there and you said, oh, I've got this podcast coming out. I think I had Gary Torbs coming on the show around that time. And uh, we talk about that. And, you, you know, of course, you knew him very well because of, of his links to Sugar and Keto. And then I was talking to you about setting up a podcast and what it's like and and you, and I love the way you gave yourself a challenge. You said, I've set myself a challenge. It has to be published in January. Um, <laughs> like, come hell or high water, it will come out. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you explain when it did come out? Because I love the fact that your your dates and your, your, your cadence is based on the date that is released, right? Yes, yes. It was like I set myself this challenge. And, you know, I'm not one to let myself down, as it were. And it's just something that made me accountable. So I was scrambling to get things ready um, for January because I said, I'm going to get this podcast out before the end of January 2021. And then you know how things take much longer than you ever think they would, especially in, in the tech world, the online world. Everything in life is like that. Everything, Everything takes longer than you think, yeah. Absolutely. So then, so January comes along and then, you know, I was starting my new semester at my teaching job and and everything sort of conspired to make it more complicated than I'd ever thought possible. Um, and 
it's sort of the end of January was creeping along and I thought I've got to I've got to do what I said I was going to do in the end um 31st of January was a Sunday I wasn't ready before then but that Sunday I pressed publish you know you just had to you just had to just go for it because I said I would do it so I did it and it ended up being on a Sunday so after that it was like well I guess all my podcast episodes are going to be out on a Sunday now because I wanted to do it weekly so that's how it yeah and I told you didn't I I made myself accountable not just for myself but to you I said it's gonna come out before the end of January 2021 (laughs) (laughs) just out of interest and of course it's a hypothetical question but how much longer would it have taken do you think if you hadn't set that deadline Oh, another year. <laughs> yeah, easily. Because it's not actually all about the the amount of stuff you have to do tech-wise or preparation-wise. It mostly it's mental stuff. It's it's the mindset stuff you have to get over and oh, yeah. and, and how you, you know, you build up the confidence just to take the plunge. In some ways, you never would talk yourself into it. Having a hard deadline is a case of that's it, it's happening, we're jumping. Yes, absolutely. It's like just do it. Just press yeah. the button, just do it any of the best friendships I have have taken time. And so the podcast is that intimate experience of listening to somebody speaking and you're, you kind of feel like you're getting to know the podcast host and you're getting to know the guests through that person and they become a type of friend to you. And I really feel that way about the podcast I listen to. Uh, I mean, I'm lucky because I know you a bit more than I would do if I just listened only, right. um, but it, but it takes time. And I think that's why listenership grows gradually and relationships grow gradually because it is about a relationship. It's about that connection with someone and you can't rush that. You just have to keep going and right. steadily, slowly build up the audience, build up the narrative that you want to build. Yes, totally. Yes. And be yourself, I would say, you know, just carry on being yourself and sort of not apologizing about it to anyone. Yeah. And yeah, and I've had people write to me over the last year, you know, to say they take me along with them on their walks, which is lovely, you know, that they listen to my podcast when they're washing the dishes or when, whatever, you know, you can multitask when it's a podcast. And a funny story, one time, more than one time during the last year, you know, my husband does all the the handiwork in the house and I was sort of, I wanted to tell him something at one point and I could hear that he was listening to, you know, something. I thought it was the radio. I mean, he's French speaking, so I realized that after a minute that it wasn't the radio because it wasn't in French, it was in English. And I was like, well, and I sort of tapped him on the shoulder and I said, look, I want, I just want to talk to you for a minute. And so I interrupted him listening to me on the podcast. <laughs> talk to him. He's so old hat, man. That was last night. Come on, I've got to tell you a story about the housework. Yeah. Sort the shelf out. I love it. Does that nice- interest? I just realized yeah. because you are a fluent French speaker, yeah. do you think you'd ever bring out a French podcast alongside your podcast? Is there, is there a big enough French market? Like, Not really. I mean, I just closed down my French website, actually. I kept my membership in French, but I closed down the website and the, my blog in French. Um, not necessarily because there isn't enough of an audience or, or whatever, but just because I can't do everything twice over. Yeah. Or rather, I don't want to. It requires too much brain space from me. To, and so I'd just rather concentrate. First of all, English is, is my first language, so it's easier in that sense, although I am fluent in French. But it's just that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it 
all in and I can't spread myself too thin with two yeah. languages. Yeah. I think also I can imagine you get to the stage where you think, have I said this before? Uh, was <laughs> it on this show? I've already said this thing or did I say it in the other show? Um, you know, because you want to be spontaneous and natural and not feel like you're just doing the script that you've you've said it once naturally and now you're just repeating it. Right. That's always a bit tricky, isn't it? But although yeah. I do have listeners that are French speaking, French speaking, and I am an English teacher, you know, for French speakers, English is a second language in, in my teaching job. So it's like some of the French speakers that listen to my podcast tell me they're getting a two for one because they're getting a free English class at the same time. Love it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> now, one thing that I, I was going to come on to in a moment, your your highlights of your year, really, if you could share your first year in podcasting. Um, and actually, I do this as well. I, I do uh, a show in March when it's the anniversary of my show and second anniversary this year, actually. And I do it with Nicola Howard, who's my first ever guest I had on the podcast. Um, and actually, I was going to say your first podcast episode, I thought was really powerful because you had uh, this lady who was talking, who was just like flipping amazing. Yes. Shelley Varela is um, an amazing woman who I met a couple of years ago. She's she's um, with Stu McLaren, um, does a, or did a podcast with his called It's a Tribe Thing. And um, she, I took one of her courses online courses and um so i asked her if she would mind interviewing me for my first there's a sort of like a um an example of how to do an interview because i had no clue and she has a lot of clues (laughs) (laughs) she was the one that did that first episode and she knows how to interview people as now we've developed you know the knack of interviewing people over time but uh, in my first episode of course I didn't know what I was doing but she did so that helped a lot you know and so that's and she was also really interested in dropping sugar getting more energy and all the rest of the as you know the benefits of dropping sugar so that also kind of helped in the the first episode yeah she's so powerful and she had I felt like you had a real like chemistry as friends which helped as well So she really understood and got you. And then she described the way that food is presented in in stores, shops in the UK um, as being food. But in actual fact, there's a lot of stuff in there which is completely not food. Uh, It's just marketing and that's it. I mean, the fact that, for instance, Richard Morris says this in the Keto Dudes, that uh, a box of cereal is actually more expensive to make the packaging than it is the actual food contents inside. Yeah. I think that's a pretty big guarantee it's not really food. <laughs> and that's what she was saying. And I think she made a really good point. So yes. I was just going to ask you then, um, over this last year, would you mind sharing some highlights, things that have stood out for you? Because, um, you know, I think this expression is used uh, too much for my liking. But in this context, it does actually apply really well. It is a journey. And this year for you has been one heck of a journey. So I'd like to know if you wouldn't mind, uh, like a few highlights, and then just to reflect on those. I think it'd be really interesting to hear. Well, um, let's see now. Because it started out, this Life After Sugar podcast started out in the throes of COVID. Um, You know, you would have thought that it would be more difficult, but the beauty of the whole online world and podcasting included is that you know whether or not there happens to be a pandemic doesn't really matter (laughs) although what I found was that actually I guess people are more online or are more used to now being online or um, 
you could argue have more time even to listen yeah. to podcasts than they did before. Although I used to listen to them when I was driving in my car and I don't drive in my car as much anymore because I'm not going anywhere. But be that as it may, it, it seemed that to me that, first of all, there's no good time or bad time to start a podcast. And I would venture to say the same for stopping sugar, <laughs> just to plug yeah, yeah, There good, is no good or bad time. Point. Just get it done, you know, like we were saying at the beginning, just do it, start. So in that sense, um, th that was a highlight, was just getting started doing yeah. it. Yeah. Um, another highlight, I would say just generally, was all the people that I met doing this podcast. For my first plan was to do alternating one week a solo episode and another week with a guest and what ended up happening was that lasted for about two months if that because then I got so inspired getting in touch with people asking them to be guests that it ended up you know my solo episodes ended up getting the boot <laughs> <laughs> It was like other people, not not necessarily more interesting than I am, but it's just so wonderful to, to have all the... I had all these people lined up and episodes recorded. I still do. I've got a dozen. Well, I think the thing with that is, you know, even if it's... Uh, I mean, all of my shows are with somebody else, apart from actually the one that came out on a Tuesday the other day. But apart from that, they are always, you know, this conversation because you come across as equally as that person does in the conversation. It's not like you're just literally asking a question and then shutting up and then, you know, and then just nodding and saying yes now and again. You are, it's a proper conversation. And I think people, the best podcasts, in my opinion, are where you feel like a fly on the wall and you're just observing what's going on and you feel like they don't even know they're being recorded. That's where it's really special, where they honestly are having a good conversation. It's really genuine. And that's why I think it's it probably brings out more in you to have somebody as well because they will they bring out your character your personality exactly yes you get to know someone through a podcast you know and for me I'll tell you a secret I don't script any of it or plan any of it we just we just wing it and yeah. I think that makes for the most authentic conversations yeah no, I think it does yeah, and the most the few solo episodes I did do, I did plan them more, but then after you know after that, I sort of just let it let go a bit more, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, and I think, but that's probably natural anyway. When you start anything new, you're always probably going to be more, um, well, I suppose cautious, which is the word, isn't it? You're going to be more cautious about those things, but as you grow in confidence, you don't need it so much, which is amazing. Yeah, um, it's lovely. I'll tell you another highlight was having my dad on the podcast, but it, it was for a Father's Day episode, and I'm going to have my mum on for um, Mother's Day as well, the British oh, Mother's Day, yeah, which is in March, whereas American one is in May. But um, And funnily enough, that recording I did in, I think it was about three years ago when he was visiting and we recorded out in the street in some cafe in Montreal. So, but, and he's still alive. It's not like I couldn't have talked to him, but I just, it, it was just such a spontaneous recording, he, he and I, that I wanted to include it in the podcast. I'm happy That's special. It. How yeah. lovely. Yeah. And it's also a way of like remembering and keeping that sort of special and protected forever, isn't it? It's just yeah. there then. Um, how lovely. So he lives over here in the UK, doesn't he? Yeah, he's in Cardiff. He used to live in Devon okay. for about 35 years, and now he lives in Cardiff. 
Oh, okay. So becoming Welsh. Fair enough. Yeah. Lovely city, Cardiff. I love it down there. So, yes. okay. Can you tell me then some of your other guests then, some of the people you've met this year? All right. So, um, the well, one other highlight, just before I tell you who I actually met for the first time, one other highlight was the interview with my daughter, Lily, who was 12 at the time, almost 14 now. <laughs> and, she, and then her friends listened to it and she's been telling me, mummy, take it off. My friends think I sound like a baby, right? Oh. <laughs> oh, you're only 12 and now you're almost 14 anyway that was sweet that was that is one of the most popular episodes actually an interview with Lily um other people that I met for the first time I mean you obviously uh yeah, that's, you, you can't include me that's really awkward isn't it because <laughs> I'm literally sat here facing you over okay we've got the Atlantic between us well, but that over with. it feels a lot more intimate than that so you can't mention me that's just yeah just I didn't I didn't mention you yeah, I <laughs> move, on, that. move on move on move <laughs> on now I haven't um just recently I interviewed Je- uh, Dr Jen Unwin who I'm sure you know and I have you interviewed her for your podcast yeah, I've interviewed. Yeah. She's my episode three, I think. Yeah, very yeah. early days. Yeah. yeah. So that was, you know, a sort of a highlight. One of the she's one of the sort of more well-known people that I interviewed, and um, it, I wasn't necessarily starstruck. You know, I don't know if you've had this experience because you've interviewed way more sort of famous people than I have, and um, but it, they're just regular people. Yeah, well, they're only famous in the low-carb world, which is helpful. I mean, if they were famous, like if it's Brad Pitt gone to keto, then maybe I would be a bit starstruck by that, you know, (laughs) Um, because you'd know him more sort of famously. But I think these people, because they're only known to the keto, low-carb, giving up sugar world, they are famous to us, but they're not hugely famous, which means that they are still themselves. They're just normal people, which is lovely. Now, David and Jen Unwin in particular, I think are really down-to-earth people. There's also something which is really unifies a lot of these people, and that's that they have, and I think the common good is something you should talk a lot more about, but they have the common good interest of humanity at their core. And now that sounds a little bit like highfalutin and over the top, but what I mean is as a doctor and as a psychologist working together in a doctor's practice, they're just trying to help their patients. Not, you know, They're not trying to do some sort of big media career. They're not trying to get their names out there. They're right. just literally trying to help people day to day like you and I make healthy choices and be healthier. And I think people like that are really special because you think, yeah, you give so much to people and that's why you are so lovely. You know, you are genuine yeah. people. And I, I pick, and I think they're all like that. All these biggish stars are generally trying to help people, which is, says a lot about them, really. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yes. And we're all, what I felt over the last year of making this podcast is we're all on the same side, as it were, and we're on the same page. And so we're all working towards the same goal in in different ways. So for me, I had people as much who are 100% vegan, 100% carnivore, keto, not keto, um, sort of regular, you know, people that uh, just happen to have cut down sugar, not necessarily 100%, you know, um, they don't have to be like me. In fact, I, I tell people, you know, please don't be like me. One is enough in this world. <laughs> you know, we can all be different. It's all different shades of life after sugar. And that, I think, is what makes it so inspiring because every story is different. Um, every every story is inspiring and you don't have to be sort of a health coach or even you're sort of health minded to 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 cut down sugar and to to live the benefits of it and I think that's what is helping a lot of people to think well if she can do it if he can do it 
and they're just regular people like me so can I yeah yeah exactly things happened and lives have changed and it made me just realize the power of podcasting you know it's a privilege to have the conversation it's a privilege to listen when you realize you actually made a little connection which helped somebody wow is that worth it it makes it makes all of it sort of make sense suddenly like oh that's why I do this because it does make a difference to somebody in that context and that is a you know most of those differences we'll never see or hear about or know amazing isn't it amazing you don't know the ripple effect that your podcast will have or any decision. And I would say again, you don't, I keep bringing this back to to sugar as well. You don't know what it will do when you stop eating sugar or at least reduce it. You have no clue. I had no clue, you know, how, how it would make me feel or sort of what it would create. You just don't know. This is why I say you just do it. Just start. Yeah. But then I do remember you saying when you came on my podcast last year, how you used to eat a lot of chocolate, didn't you? I think you remember you saying, and I don't know what it was like for you, but I think the thought of doing something like giving up chocolate is probably worse than actually doing it. Well, it's it's hard in the first instance if you do have a real problem with that food. I appreciate it. I'm not belittling how people feel. However, you do get past that phase, wherever that thing is, and you actually live without it and you're fine. I, I think, yeah. but quite often it is the first step that's the hardest. And it's and actually probably the second, third, fourth, fifth, when you're still craving it and you haven't had it, it's the hard part, isn't it? However, there is life after sugar, as your podcast suggests. Yes, 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 there definitely is. I think it's the idea of the first step that is actually more difficult than the first step itself. It's, you know, the the things we tell ourselves, myself included, you know, it's going to be tough, I'll never survive, who, you know, what is life like without chocolate, it's not worth living, and all these things that we tell ourselves as sort of, justifications for not taking action and for me it was like I was telling myself all these things but the bottom line was no pun intended the bottom line was I I was still constipated and suffering and if I didn't change something then um, I nothing would change yeah yeah and actually I can't even imagine because I do remember you saying on the podcast how it was days and days. I don't know if it got to weeks or not. I think if you did, you'd be in serious ill health. But it went a long time before you could go to the toilet. Now, yeah. that that must be incredibly uncomfortable and just a horrible feeling. Yeah, it's toxic to your body on all yeah. levels. Yes. And so, yeah, it was like once a week or something for weeks on end. It's, I just I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty miserable. So what other changes have happened to people you've spoken to? So we know your change. Um, I think quite often, unfortunately, the health space, if that's the right expression, the health industry focuses on weight and body fat. And actually, it's such a narrow aspect of health, isn't it? And as we most of us know, that's also a symptom of an underlying metabolic syndrome anyway. But what sort of uh, things, apart from weight loss, have you noticed in your people, you know, in your your guests that you come onto your podcast? Yes, I would say it's more to do with personal development than it is to do with nutrition or weight. Because what people, what I found is that people have discovered what I call life after sugar. I just gave it a name, but and, and trademarked it. <laughs> but, oh, have you? Have you actually yeah. trademarked it? I, I can't anyone. say. 
I can't say life after sugar without paying something. Okay, yes. hang on. I'll yes. set up the card details and hit the button whenever I press it. I'll, I'll send you the bill <laughs> at the it. end of the podcast. Oh, word. I've, I've said it quite a lot. Whoops. <laughs> no, you can say it. You can say it. You just can't use it for your own business. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> but, 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 I mean, what I call life after sugar is what people have discovered, as I have myself, that there is not only another life when you cut out what you think is like the most pleasurable, fun things in your life, you know, the food. Um, but what you discover is not just that there is another way of eating, but that there's another you hidden, you know, behind all that sort of mindless eating, mindless snacking, dependency on types of foods for your comfort and reward and stress yeah. management and soothing. It's like, for me at least, and I can tell you from my guests as well, but I'd rather talk just about me. I had to grow up. I had okay. to grow up, become an adult and deal with my emotions and my stress in a grown-up way, which biscuits and chocolate and ice cream were sort of keeping me in that childish mentality of sort of I don't want to I don't want to deal with this I'm just going to smother it in chocolate wow that's incredibly powerful the way you say that you don't give yourself uh, any breaks there do you you just went straight for the you know, I have to grow up wow but I didn't realize I was doing it until I'd done it yeah right? yeah Makes it sense. was like I didn't set out to say oh you know I'm 45 that's how old I was when I first cut out sugar um why don't I act like it not at all I was in complete denial and in mm. resisting even admitting that I was acting a bit like a toddler you know and you should know because you you're just come out coming out of that I have it's a toddler like, should just say for her listeners I have a toddler so yeah it is like that exactly the tantrums yeah. the you know wanting things and now, when they get their own way stamping their feet yeah Yes. And, you know, as I say, we, we do that way into adulthood, at least I used to. And a lot of my guests, even though they don't say it in those words, a lot of my guests discovered just new ways to deal with their emotions, to, to, to love themselves in other ways than with refined sugar, which, you know, when you think about it objectively, is you're sort of taking something that will cause metabolic havoc in your body, uh, weight gain, inflammation, all those things, and you're taking that to make you feel better, it makes no sense. Because yeah, it's it not about making sense anyway. But I also think that as human beings, I think you've really tapped into something so important there. I think we make the error of thinking ourselves very rational. And so, you know, I've heard this described like this before and I was reading a really good psychological book and it said, we think our minds are the Oval Office when in actual fact, our minds are the press office. We're trying to post-rationalize what we've already decided based on our emotions. And if we just think that our emotions can be let rampant to do what they want, like you just said there, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, that's where you get yourself in trouble. Um, you can rationalize anything afterwards, but actually knowing how to manage yourself i think that's the best way of saying it and what works for you so for me for instance environment is a huge one if i change my food environment i make life a lot easier or i make it a lot harder for myself depending on which choice i make um that's a huge one and if you've got if you're somebody who i mean i'm quite lucky that in terms of actual sugar 
you know, table, sugar, whatever, sweet things. I don't have a sweet tooth. So I'm yeah. generally okay around that stuff. But if it's, if for me, it's things like savory pastries. If I had those in my house, I'm eating them. You know, it's like, it just, it just happens. Now, yeah. of course, I can try to rationalize that I shouldn't eat it because of X, Y, Z. I can, I can have a plan. Um, actually, one of the highlights for me was talking to um, somebody who came from the chip management project. Um, and he was talking about this, you know, the chimp in our mind, the part of us that is a chimp compared to the human part of us and how the chimp always wins. So you have to strategize and manage how you get past those moments. So environment is a huge part of that for me and making sure I've got the environment around me. But even if it's not just, you know, you can't always control your environment. We're not control freaks. We have to live in the real world. You know, what other strategies do you have? Accountability, community, you know. Uh, my wife and I really support each other through this because we're on the same journey together. And, you know, we, we've been through a, a heck of a few years of ups and downs and, you know, we've helped each other through those times. So it's whatever works for you to make that as easy and as smooth as possible. Um, yeah. And that'll be different for each person, won't it? It's not always the same. It's not always the same. And I, I think you can't know ahead of time what it's going to be, you know, because it's such an, a difficult thing to imagine. It's such a big change. You know, maybe small habit changes, but they have a, this ripple effect. And you can't tell. I couldn't tell ahead of time what was going to happen, you know. So, um, and I think we underestimate just how much changes when we drop sugar, amongst other things. And I've had people on my podcast talking about not just dropping sugar, but dropping flour as well, sweeteners, and, and then all the way to in, intermittent fasting. You know, I've, I've, I'm very popular with the intermittent fasting community, which I'm happy about because, funnily enough, you know, you my, my personal experience was not start fasting and then drop sugar. It was drop sugar without knowing what I was letting myself in for in the slightest. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Then, and then find out that I was hungry less often and then, like three years later, realize, oh, this has a name and it's called fasting. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so um, dropping sugar is what I found over, over the last year for the podcast. Um, people who start intermittent fasting for weight loss, but especially the health benefits, um, they end up realizing, a lot of them, that their nemesis is sugar. Mm -hmm. Because A, it makes fasting a lot more difficult because it stimulates ghrelin and hunger and all the rest of it and blocks leptin. And B, it, it, we have this, most of us, this unhealthy relationship with sugar. We want more and more and more. And, you know, and the food industry knows this, obviously. And so even though a lot of approaches for intermittent fasting are eat whatever you want, that's the beauty. That's what attracts people to fasting, right? It's not what you eat, it's how often. But what, what they end up realizing, a lot of people, it, what you want, eat what you want. <laughs> what I say is change what you want and then mm -hmm. you can eat what you want. And, you know, if you carry on eating sugary foods or starchy foods, then probably fasting is going to be more difficult for you. Oh, for sure. I think it's like building a foundation to a house there. So if you cut out sugar, like you said, because of the hormonal response, you won't feel as hungry, which mm -hmm. helps you then do the next phase. If you fancy skipping a meal, which becomes so easy, doesn't it? Like I skip my morning meal now and it feels I sometimes have a breakfast on a Saturday just to eat with my family to show willing. So I'll have an omelet and I'll think 
I'm really not hungry, actually. I, I don't need this because I'm so used to not having it. But if yeah. I had a if I had a really sugary tomato sauce on my pasta meal the night before, which I don't have, I'd be starving the next morning and I'd I'd need to reach for the whatever the breakfast was. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't even call it skipping a meal because that starts in the paradigm that there are three meals a day. I don't know who invented that, but in the sense that I stepped out of 101 different paradigms over the, <laughs> over the last six years, you know. And so when people ask me, do you fast? I say, no, I just eat when I'm hungry. You can call it whatever you like. You know, they say, are you keto? No, I'm netta. It's one of my podcast episodes. <laughs> and and the other thing is, yeah, do you skip meals? No, I just eat when I'm hungry. And where is it written in stone that it has to be three, four, five times a day? Well, I, it's funny you say that because, you know, I'm, I'm on the same page as you there, but it is weird how people freak out when, you, when they say you don't eat breakfast because, again, I don't know where it comes from. I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if it comes from a, a marketing or like a food industry place. I don't know that for sure. But it, does, it does, it does. Yeah, blame okay. Kellogg. You can blame Kellogg. Yeah, um, yeah, for a lot of stuff. To be fair, and yes. I think, I think you know what this idea idea of the meal uh, being the most important meal of the day is breakfast is a really damaging, harmful one because um, you know people people believe that as scientific proof and fact. And I just say, well, yeah, I just do my breakfast at three in the afternoon. That's when I break my fast. You know, I don't I don't need to eat in the morning, so why would I? And it's weird. You couldn't imagine an animal you know, going about his business, stopping to have a big meal and then getting on with his business again. You know, it would eat when it's hungry, depending on what its metabolism is, what its food is. If it's a cow, it'll be eating all the time. If it's a predator, it might be once every 48 hours. You know, it's just completely dependent on its diet. It's a weird concept, isn't it? It is, it is. And that is also sort of the highlight of the last year for me is seeing just the, the whole wide range of what works for different people. So for me, it's, even more sort of weird than this whole concept of, you know, so many meals a day is the whole concept of for everybody. Yeah. One size fits all. And so that, you know, I mean, obviously I realized that we we're all different before the podcast, but this podcast of mine has really brought it home that we are so different, all of us. And I remember when I was suffering from constipation, the doctors and everyone telling me, eat more fiber, eat more fiber. And it was the worst thing for me, made everything worse. So this sort of, this is what you do when you have this problem, this is the solution and it's good for everybody, you know, is, is that it just doesn't hold for, there's how many billions of us in, on this planet? It can't all be the same for everyone. And I would even say that cutting sugar is good for most people, but even then it's not necessarily what every single person needs. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, but, but in all truth, I don't know what it's like in just the sort of cutting sugar world, but when it comes to the keto low-carb world, there's this thing called the keto police. Mm -hmm. um, and I think yeah. I'd define that as people who would say there are, you know, there are ways that you should do keto and low-carb, and there's ways that you just shouldn't do low-carb low and keto. And I just find, I, I, I personally agree with what you just said there, that it's whatever works for the individual. And of course that changes. You know, you might be, for instance, cutting sugar one day. You might be going low carb the next. You might be going back from low carb to trying something different. You could be doing lots of different things in that time. It's all about supporting individuals on what they want to do with their lives. And actually, we're all adults here. So what's the judgment about? But it's some people have made up for a lack of personality uh, with a, a new way of eating and think that's the same thing, which is a bit sad, really. And I think you should support each other if you can, not judge or criticize. 
Yes, yes. I think, um, you know, certain, I think um, keto may be attractive for a certain type of personality. Because I say that because it doesn't attract me because of my personality, sort of the opposite, you know, the, the you've got to do it this way. I mean, I get that keto is... Oh, the counting, of, the numbers, the... Yeah, the yeah, tracking, yeah. the counting. Calculation, I mean, course, yeah. Yeah, biologically, your body will get into ketosis with under 20 grams of net carbs. That's, that's sort of a biological fact, as it were. Yeah. But the, here's the bottom line for me is I don't care whether I'm in ketosis or not. I don't care how many grams of carbs I eat. Um, I don't even care whether or not, uh, I don't even care what other people eat. I care how they feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah? I totally agree. So just in the last part of today's uh, reflection back on your year and the year for the podcast, um, what would you say would be, you know, your plan for next year? Is it is it to carry on the same vein or do you have any big projects coming up? Um, for the podcast, I would say, you know, carry on with what's working. It seems to be working and seems to be inspiring people to hear other people, you know, regular people on the podcast. But I do have some more specialized guests lined up, like a functional doctor, for example, because functional medicine changed my life. And um, so that's coming up um, in the next few months. And then, as I say, my mum is going to be on the podcast. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So um, more of the same, you know, unless people ask me to change it, it it's like, you know, don't don't quit when it's working. Um, and um, I'm going to carry on with, you know, I have a membership, the After Sugar Club. I have a course, a six week course that I bring out a few times a year, the after, Life After Sugar program. So I'm, I'm going to just try and reach more and more people and help more people. That's that's the plan. I'm also teaching still part-time so yeah <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot on keeps, my plate keeps you busy yeah it keeps me busy yeah I just think there's so much potential with podcasting that you could do in the future and I think it'd be great to work together so you know yeah. who knows watch this space everyone maybe we'll do something in the future together yeah, um definitely. linking up these because they are very similar worlds you know carbohydrate is sugar in your body and you know you might be giving up actual sugar you might be in this case giving up starchy carbohydrate which becomes sugar um there's so much connection there so it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah definitely yes and it's great that we can do the audio for the podcast and the video for like youtube and stuff is great is yeah, really yeah you got options age. yeah exactly it's, it's a wonderful age in fact we can now have our own channels we can now have our own tv and radio shows that's effectively what these are yeah. and it's really exciting that you can do it so well thank you for joining me today netta it's been really thank lovely you. catching up and um and i'll hope you have a lovely successful uh second year with the show i know you will and um it just grows and grows and grows and grows Thanks, Dan. Smashing. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Oh, well, thank you, Dan. And I can tell you that living a sugar-free lifestyle is one thing, but actually helping so many people is way beyond anything I could ever have imagined. I mean, the Life After Sugar podcast in its first year is heading towards 100,000 downloads. That means that it's been listened to almost 100,000 times. The podcast has dozens of five-star ratings and lots of rave reviews, so I can see that it's really hitting a nerve, that it's really speaking to you. And from the messages I get, I know it's also helping people in ways that I would never have imagined. It's so gratifying to know that 
The podcast is making a positive impact on so many people. And as I said at the beginning of this podcast episode, it's down to one thing. Just get started. Easier said than done? Well, it's no easier with a podcast than it is with dropping sugar. But I promise you, it makes all the difference to just get started. And if you need help to do that, that's what I'm here for. And as I repeat over and over in the podcast, I don't expect anyone to cut sugar, flour and sweetness completely like I did. Good if you do. Good if you don't. In fact, what I believe is really good for us is to find what suits us the most and especially what suits us in a sustainable way so that we don't keep falling off the wagon and caving into temptation and turning to sugar for our emotional soothing. Because I get it. I mean, I did that for over four decades, so I totally get what it's like. And now I've been living six years free from all that. And my deepest wish is to help you get there too. And that's why I created the six-week Life After Sugar program, which I open a few times a year and which offers you a fast-track way to get to that freedom from sugar and cravings and emotional need for comfort foods. And we also have our monthly membership, the After Sugar Club, which is always open. You can come join us for one month or three months or like most people, for several months because this is a process and real life carries on whether you eat sugar or not. So wouldn't it be great to have other tools than sugar that will make you actually feel better rather than making you feel worse in the long run? That's what freedom from sugar feels like. And just like with real life, you don't know what's round the corner. So it's a blessing to be in a group with other people who understand you and support you and encourage you in all your ups and downs, including myself, because I've been there. I've been living a sugar-free life since July 2015 and believe me, I've been through plenty of ups and downs. So in the After Sugar Club membership, we're all in this together and we're all there to support each other and to support you. If you want to join us in either the After Sugar Club or the six-week Life After Sugar program, just go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the program tab to put your name on the waitlist for the six-week Life After Sugar program or click on the green button Join the Club to join us in our monthly membership, the After Sugar Club, which is always open for you. And while you're there at aftersugarclub.com, surf around and make the most of all the free resources there to help you start cutting sugar, like the videos in the What to Eat tab and the free simple guide to getting more energy with less sugar. That's on aftersugarclub.com and click on Simple Guide. And you can also find Life After Sugar on Instagram at my life after sugar, that's where I post pictures of what I eat and what I do, you know, Instagram stuff, so that you can see that it's totally possible to live a fun and active life, 
even when you don't eat sugar. And come over and say hi on the Life After Sugar Facebook page too. There's lots of good info there, as well as on the Life After Sugar YouTube channel, where there's a growing library of videos to inspire you wherever you are on your journey to cutting sugar and feeling better. And if you're enjoying this episode, please rate it and scroll down and leave me a review and let me know how it's helping you in your life after sugar. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you get a new episode every Sunday. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.